Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast, news, reviews and resources for ITAM, SAM and software licensing professionals. Hello everyone, welcome to this podcast from AMI and the ITAM Review. Uh, we're going to look at today at the business benefits of hardware tracking in hybrid workplaces and a more of a general overview as well of hardware asset management. Uh, I'm joined today by Tom Watson. Tom is President and CEO of AMI. Hi, Tom. Hi, AJ. Thanks for having me. Great to have you. Um, could you um, just give us an overview, really, of, of where AMI have come from and, and what you're doing and so on? I, I understand you're coming up to your 20th anniversary uh, in this space. That's right. That's right. 19 years um, ago, uh, started the firm. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, AMI, we help asset managers track, manage, and report on hardware assets, uh, specifically uh, for IT asset management. We offer software products, um, asset track in particular, consulting services, implementation, training services to help uh, companies integrate those tools. And then we provide the hardware and tags, the barcode RFID tags and accessories. So kind of a full stop solution for mm -hmm. uh, hardware asset management in particular. And we focus on midsize uh, up to large global enterprise sizes, um, uh, in particular healthcare banks, state and local government, federal government um, in the United States uh, primarily, but some companies around the world, but kind of the larger, the better companies that have a lot of stuff to manage uh, we we don't really focus on the kind of small businesses uh -huh. at this time. Yeah, yeah. I, I I guess we'll get into that a little bit later. But um, it, it sounds like there's a sweet spot perhaps for for company size where it becomes too much to manage manually or or, or locally. And, and, you, and you have a you know you need you need an overall solution for these things. Yeah, I mean at some point you know companies start doing hardware asset management on spreadsheets, and that's fine at a certain scale um, it just once there's a certain amount of volume and and more people involved that that have to participate in hardware asset management then a new set of challenges come around in terms of tools and communication we'll talk about that i think um, a bit later but uh, mm. yeah really the mid-size kind of five thousand employee you know is what we sort of consider the where, where the problem becomes significant and then up from there obviously it just gets much more complicated yeah, it's interesting. That's my that's my perspective as well. Uh, you know, I worked for an organization with about four thousand assets, four thousand users or so, and we didn't have any uh, any proper hardware asset management. We used to tag our devices. You know, we used to stick a label on them saying, "Hey, the property of blah blah blah," uh, and it had a serial number on it. But I don't think we ever recorded that anywhere as such. You know, it may have been probably, like you say, in a spreadsheet. It certainly wasn't integrated into any of our IT management systems. Um, Sure. So yeah, you know, I think I think it was never considered to be a problem. Having said that, I know we had a um, a decent loss rate on laptops and things just disappearing into people's desks and never being never being seen yeah, again yeah. and that sort of thing. So it's yeah. not that the problem doesn't exist at small volumes. We mm -hmm. we work with some customers that have four hundred assets, but that's lab equipment that is extremely important, extremely sensitive, and uh, so there's not a hard and fast rule there. Just it in in. Typically, though, for for AMI, we're we're helping kind of wrangle um, a large team when there, when there's a huge organization and a lot of people that are managing assets and the kind of the people management is more where where we help in in particular. So, kind of the larger uh, organizations that becomes bigger a bigger problem. And you know, I mean, thinking about that. Um, What's the importance, particularly for hardware asset management for organisations? Is it just about not losing stuff? What 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 else does it does it speak to? What other problems sure. does it solve? Um, yeah. So um, in the beginning, it was all about audit compliance, so financial or regulatory compliance, and making sure you didn't get fired because an auditor came in and checked your database and couldn't find stuff that you said you had. Hmm. Um, the like for for more actual real business value. Um, savings is a is a big one. Um, buying less assets, 
spending less on maintenance contracts, uh, warranties, and then saving people's time, um, just driving efficiency and just spending less of the organization's money on hardware assets is you know, a, a primary goal. Um, availability is essential as well, which you know, the, an organization has to have the stuff on hand in order to keep the operation running. Um, having services down or having people sit at their desks unable to work um, impacts competitiveness. So availability is, is important, especially these days with supply chain issues. Um, you know, over the past decade or so, security has become a huge driver of, of hardware asset management, um, especially with remote workers taking, you know, endpoints to their uh, home locations. Uh, understanding what hardware is out there accessing the network has become a, um, a major importance for um, ensuring uh, network security. Um, and really kind of the, the ultimate one for me is effective decision-making by leadership. And what I mean by that is um, it's okay to spend $50 million on hardware a year if that hardware is responsible for a $5 billion profit center of the business. It's not just about reducing costs, it's about aligning costs to business value. And you know, being able to track your spend on hardware, software, cloud services, being able to map that to a business initiative, map that to business value is what enables leadership to make good decisions about where the money's going. So I think that's really the, um, the primary value that, you know, compliance, savings, availability, and security are the, the typical business drivers. Effective decision-making, I think, is, is really where this is going. And for, for me, the real area of value. Yeah, you, you, you make a good point there. I, when I started out in my IT career, sort of in IT support, I was talking to friends who are in, in the same industry, uh, same roles, you know, working for investment banks and so on. And this, this is sort of late 80s. So their traders would have four CRTs sat on their desks, you know, massive display screens and everything and expensive faxes and all these sorts of things. And you're like, how much does all that stuff cost? This is back in the days when monitors cost a lot of money um, and yeah. used a lot of power. And well, they're making millions, millions of pounds for us. So they get what they want. Um, and we have a huge stock of these things as well, because if one goes pop during a trading session, then you need to get it out there right now. Um, that supply chain issue that you mentioned right now is is, is an interesting one because we, you know we've always probably for that I'd say would you agree for the last decade or so we spent time running down stock and trying not to keep too much stock, not not keeping spares. That's um, right. Close to hand, and now suddenly we can't get them. Yeah, I think um, you know one of the things we've been trying to help companies do is minimize their stock levels, maximize utilization, minimize stock levels without impacting availability. Mm -hmm. It's kind of that, you know, the just-in-time manufacturing, you know, the, yep. the Japanese Toyota plant that just creates the amount exact stock at the right time to fulfill the order. And, you know, it's, that's um, somewhat unachievable goal there, but, you know, that's been something we've been driving to. Yep. And uh, yeah, just just more recently, you know, some of our big enterprises are concerned about the ability to replenish stock. So they're increasing their stock levels. And, hmm. you know, I don't think there is a right utilization rate or stock level rate. It depends on a lot of different factors, but having the um, having the accurate information on hand to make those decisions is 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 kind of the, is the goal here understanding what your utilization rate is what your stock levels are and being able to kind of track that over time i think we're going to talk a little bit more you know about that um in this in this chat talking about um you know where you've come from with ami you know you've been around for 20 years what's what's changed over those years in, in terms of what you can do are there new opportunities that you know, new new things that you can speak to new technology that allows you to do things um in a different way how's it changed yeah um i was thinking about this this question and um in a way a lot less has changed than i expected in in 20 years um if you would ask me 15 years ago i would have said in five years companies won't track hardware anymore Hardware is going to turn into some network connected piece of paper 
that has a display and an input and it won't carry any data. It won't be worth anything. So there won't be any need to track it and everything will be managed in the cloud. And that hasn't changed. The, um, I think things that have changed is that hardware asset management has gotten more important due to um, cybersecurity and remote working. The, the internet was there 20 years ago, um, but the ability to work from anywhere um, wasn't. Um, and especially post COVID with everybody running home, um, that's one thing that's changed, just a fully distributed workforce with hardware being, being sent all over the place. You know, companies no longer have central, not no longer, but often don't have centralized receiving facilities where they can properly receive, tag, record assets, and then distribute them to home workers. Um, they're ordering direct from their vendor, shipping it to home. And they never, you know, the, the asset manager never physically sees a device that they're supposed to manage. So, so that's definitely changed. The um, uh, cybersecurity threat has definitely changed. Um, there are some newer tracking technologies. RFID is more prevalent. It didn't sweep asset management as I thought it would. Um, mm -hmm. RFID tags are still not really practical for things like laptops. Um, there's Bluetooth beacons and, and new tracking technologies, um, but those still aren't really prevalent on end user computing devices. And you still have to physically have the device to tag it and and, and put that new tracking technology on it. So there has been some advancements in the tracking technology, especially in the data center and warehouses and centralized facilities, um, but it's still plain old forms and barcodes and, and um, mm. data integrations for remote assets. And as for the, the, the only other thing, I, you know, I'd say is that the, the, there, the, there were the big ITSM and CMDB software products back in the day. It used to be HP, BMC, CA, yeah. The names have changed. Now it's ServiceNow, but they're all kind of the same animal. These big enterprise systems that that have um, you know a lot of data and a lot of integrations, and the same challenges remain uh, with all of them. Uh, so I think it's just you know companies like ServiceNow have figured out that hardware asset management is important. So it, it they've, they've created products and and promoted it as a a real business challenge. So I think it's gotten more more important and more recognition, um, mm. whereas I thought it would go away. If you would, like I said, if you would ask me 15 years ago, I, I thought it was going yep. away, it seemed to have gotten more important. Yeah, because I, I guess you're in that world, as you say, where, you know, RFID was around, we had, we were getting to the stage where scanning was easier as well, because smart devices were, were out there. I mean, you weren't going out and necessarily buying dedicated barcode scanners, uh, mm -hmm. mobile scanning as well, I can't I, I remember scanning devices with an iphone pretty early on um you know we, we were scanning all of our actual um mobile phones going out no just scanning the box getting the serial number um matching that with the imei and and, and so on so yeah, yeah. it's you know it's, it, 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 that, that is interesting that is it partly that um it's kind of seen as being just about being record keeping by some people, but do you have challenges kind of convincing people as to why they should be doing it? Um, no, particularly senior leaders, it, they just see it as being this kind of a, this kind of admin overhead. Um, sort of. I think uh, hardware asset management is like historically, it's been like working out and eating better. Everybody knows they should go to the gym three days a week and they should eat less carbs and drink less beer, but you don't because you know it's just you got other things to do and you have other priorities that you'd rather spend your time um software asset management has always taken the lion's share of the energy within it asset management because the returns are so significant and leaders are so concerned about audits yeah. so it's always kind of taken a backseat to, to software asset management one thing that's changed is that we've realized that you can't do software asset management without hardware asset management. So it's kind of riding the coattails of, of, of software asset management. But I think that's, that's really been the challenge is just getting it to be a priority, giving all of the other challenges that leaders, um, you know, have to tackle. And even within ITAM, you know, how do you get hardware to be on the same par as software asset management when, you know, the, or the returns or the, 
the you know the savings or the audit defense savings are so easy to justify. Whereas in hardware asset management, hey, if we can reduce our utilization by ten percent, you know, we can save a few million bucks a year. Yeah. Um, you know, compared to an Oracle audit, it tends to take a back seat. So I think leaders get it. It's just the challenge has been making it a priority to, to yeah. focus on it. Yeah, yeah, I see that there's always limited resources, limited money, and just limited bandwidth to get things done. And and so, yeah, potentially uh, things focus on other areas. So uh, I'm conscious we, we spoke a little bit, just touched on briefly around the whole hybrid working, remote working, uh, and that's really the sort of the subject of, of, of this podcast in a way is, how has it changed in in that in that sort of COVID world? And now we're kind of I hate to call it post-COVID because it hasn't really gone away. But you know we're we're coming we're seeing returns to work. We're seeing uh, I saw Elon Musk came out and said that everyone at Tesla needs to work in the office now again, uh, for example. So we're going to be in this hybrid world of kind of people at home, people in the office, people traveling with their with their with their kit perhaps a bit more as well. Um, how do we go about addressing that with hardware asset management? What can hardware asset management do to really, really help with those business challenges? So yeah, remote, uh, it's always been a challenge to manage remote workers. That didn't just happen because of COVID. You know, there's, there's been remote workers. The problem is just exacerbated now. And the challenge is how do you manage hardware that you never touch and see? Hmm. And um, the, the solution to it is integrating vendors, and reconciling, reconciling data from vendors to what home users or your discovery tools are reporting and producing exception reports. So what I mean is establishing an advanced ship notices from your vendors. So United States, you know, CDW, an example, mm -hmm. um, when you purchase from those vendors, they can send you the serial numbers, model information, preload that into your your ITAM or CMDB system. Now you have a record of the serial numbers, you have a record of where the asset was going and who it's assigned to. You now have to interrogate, interrogate, that's a hard word, interview those remote users to have them confirm that they've received the equipment mm -hmm. and then to cross-reference those, produce an exception report of stuff that's been sent to stuff that's never been certified by the remote users. And then it's picking up the phone and harassing those users to yeah. <laughs> fill out the form and, and reconcile. Um, my point is, is that, you know, you can't just physically visit everyone's home and perform an audit. You can't just rely on discovery tools to detect that piece of equipment and report it. There's just yeah. a huge gap that's always uh, left when you do that. Um, it's about reconciling multiple data sources, uh, information from the vendor, information from the home user, information from the discovery tool, matching those together, finding what doesn't fit, and then manually tracking those down. And by manually, I mean, you know, automated emails and, yeah. and follow-ups, but you've <clears throat> got to get humans involved to try to track down those exceptions and, and get those resolved. Um, and again, I don't think that problem's new. Um, it's just exacerbated. Um, exacerbated now. Yeah, it's, it, it's a good point because you no, know, we are dealing in the physical world. I think ITAM and particularly software asset management is increasingly dealing with things you can't see. Um, you know, we don't have shrink wrap boxes of software anymore, pretty rarely anyway. Um, so we're used to managing things virtually, which which you can do very very quickly. Um, whereas when you've got a physical asset, there needs to you, know, you need a pair of eyes and a pair of hands, don't you, to 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 really interact with it. You, yes, you can do your automated discovery, but I mean, I'd, I'd imagine there's classes of assets that you can't really automatically discover. I mean, do you worry about sort of tracking, you no know, webcams, keyboards, mice, that sort of thing? Um, you know, is is that something that that is is important? Um, I, I guess so. I mean, these things aren't aren't cheap, are they? Well, that's a subjective answer there. Um, you know, one of our uh, kind of global enterprise customers was tracking monitors, docking stations, mice, specifically with the run to home because of COVID. When when everybody fled home, yep. uh, you know, because of COVID, um, the organization that the, the 
the IT asset managers needed to understand what do we need to replenish? They expected to have these users return to the office at some point, but they also figured COVID-20 is right around the corner. So we need to be ready to support the work from home environment. Even when we bring people back, we want to be ready for people to work from home in the case of the disaster yeah. or, or what have you. So they needed to know what was to what they needed to replenish. It wasn't so much about are we spending too much on webcams and mice and so forth. They needed to know, did you take a webcam from the office? Did you take a keyboard, docking station, headset, so that they could order that equipment and yeah. get duplicates of it set up so they'd have an office environment? That's a different kind of thing where they weren't, again, they weren't trying to save money. They were trying to understand what equipment they needed to properly outfit both the office location and the remote location. So they were more um, agile and more flexible. You know, I think I think in general rule at AMI is, you know, the less information you try to track, the easier it is to be accurate. So simplify as much as you can and don't track things that it's not essential to track and, you know, tracking keyboards, mice and accessories just track how much you're spending on that stuff in aggregate and yep. monitor that over time. And if it's getting out of control, then you can start worrying about it. But, you know, don't try to make a user report all their accessories or you're just going to fail. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. I, I guess that comes down to, to there's limited business value in, in paying attention to those things. There's right. not really a compliance risk is there, you know, it's, they're not data storing devices. So, um, it's it's less of an issue maybe um but yeah okay I, yeah that's that's interesting and and certainly yeah you know i, I know from, from from friends here and um when covid hit people were taking home desk chairs and you know um, all sorts so so, so you no know, offices were kind of stripped bare and um and yeah if they're expected to be back in the office has that kit come back well no but you probably need to buy more um right, as you, say, right. you, need to, you need to replenish to be to be ready to to, to deal with that and also it's about uh, I think what everyone's grown up to understand now is that remote working is is business as usual it was always in my support career it was always treated as an exception um, right right yeah people did it but you might have an engineer go out and visit to to do the installation in someone's home um, I can remember getting you know um, uh, telephony lines installed and, and things you know in, in provisioned and routers put in and uh and so on so yeah it's that was an exception and you had maybe a few of those a month to do um in, in a reasonably sized organization but now it's basically everybody isn't it yeah i mean especially now i don't you know there's no real reason to send technicians to people's homes anymore just you know given everyone's connected and you know the, the yeah. software tools you know available so uh, mm -hmm. yeah it is the new normal yeah. I, hate to, I hate that phrase now because of COVID, but <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, no, I, I, I quite agree, quite agree. We need we need a new phrase for that. I'm not quite sure what it is, but uh, right, right, yeah. It's, uh, I just wanted to um, talk a little bit then about um, sort of the actual nitty gritty of this. What, 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 when we get down to it, what is it that you need to um, really deliver a, a a good value ham program um obviously we need your software <laughs> or software similar what else is that though i mean perhaps interesting what do you need in terms of in terms of personnel in terms of people and 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 other things yeah um good question i mean you don't need any particular software the the bigger challenge is people and process compliance. The, the biggest challenge that hardware asset management managers face is getting technicians and warehouse staff and remote users and data center infrastructure managers to update asset information as they swap things, receive, swap, track, mm -hmm. um, getting end users to report what they have. It doesn't matter. It does matter what tools you present to those users. Um, it's important that you use tools um, and create processes that are simple, kind of like we were just saying here, like the less information you need a technician to report, the easier it is to get them to comply with it. So, you know, we, although we're, yes, we make a tool at AMI, 
what we find it makes companies more successful is simplification. Simplification of processes, tracking less information, um, and then establishing logging and monitoring to monitor people's activity, monitor technicians' activity and remote users' activity, produce those exception reports when people are not following processes, and then get that in the faces of those users, either as positive reinforcement or negative. <laughs> you, know, you could create a leaderboard of all the technicians and, and show who's, you know, uh, in compliance, like mapping all of their, <clears throat> excuse me, mapping all their tickets to proper asset updates. And you know, here's the leaderboard of our, our best technicians, you know, kind of gamify asset management. Yeah, positively, of course. It, uh, yeah, that, that, that really works. Uh, you know, I, I did that um, in, in one of my roles. Uh, we had remote technicians um, and some were better than others. And we had, we had a competition and, and you know, the, the, person who was top of the list at the end of the month uh, got recognized for it so um yeah it, it, it's it and we really improved our data quality doing that and we also saved money because they were going out and reclaiming software it's mostly a, mostly a software focused thing but they were incentivized to go and reclaim software because you know they had that that carrot in front of them to kind of go for so Right, right. We've got so that that's just the focus there is being it's, it's people. It's the biggest challenge that yep. hardware asset management faces process compliance and, and people. People are busy. Technicians are trying to close tickets, not provide asset management. Remote workers are trying to do their jobs and you're asking them to certify assets they have and they don't care. And if there's not, it's not that they don't care, but they don't understand the value of it. It's just mm. TPS reports that they've got to fill out and you know, they, they don't connect it. Um, so um, tools are an important part of the solution and, and making, providing tools that are simple, but it's really monitoring people, I think is the biggest, yeah. um, the biggest challenge. Um, so simplifying processes, asking less of people will help drive compliance, monitoring people's compliance and positively reinforcing, you know, when through that sort of carrot incentive, yep. uh, maybe attaching bonuses or compensation, you know, to, you know, provide some monetary incentive to, to follow processes. Um, but then also holding people accountable as well. Yep. Um, so I, you know, I think, and then, you know, kind of layering onto that, um, multi-channel communication tools, um, regardless of what technology or process you implement, one of the biggest challenges we find, like, for example, we just helped a company do a, a major um, self-audit inventory, a major inventory of their environment. They had office locations with assets, they had remote users. So we distributed a tool to those remote users for them to certify what they have. And it was going to be so easy because all they do is get an email, click on a link, see what they have and go check, check, got it, got it, don't got it, upload. Mm -hmm. The tool was so simple to use that everybody's going to fill it out. Well, we sent out the email, we got 10% compliance. Yeah. Like what the, we're hitting people spam. They just, they see the email. They just, so we ended up working on how did we word that email? And we started resending and it became a marketing thing, like trying to get through people's spam filters with email marketing. We had to do this as an internal communication exercise and just try to get people to open the email that, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, so we, we realized that it's about communication, creating videos, webinars, sending multiple emails just to socialize what we're doing. Uh, my point is, is, you know, beyond just providing simple tools for, for people, leaning into communication and marketing the initiative and, and expecting to have to use multiple channels to reach people to explain why they're supposed to follow this asset management process yeah. um, is essential. Yeah, that, that's, that's great. I, it reminds me of you know, all the efforts that um, cybersecurity teams put in to you know, encourage people to do the right thing so they don't end up getting fished, they don't end up getting uh, passwords compromised, or they don't end up being sort of social engineered. It, uh, I think um, they have a lot that they can teach us because I, I, they have some often have some very great innovative ways of talking directly to users and really making them understand the importance of it. And and because because you get buy-in, right? You, 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 if you give someone the reason why, 
um, and you can and they can see that there's going to be progress and it's going to improve things. You, you have to get that buy-in, as you were saying, to get people just to take action because people are busy. Um, people and, are busy. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I, I think we underestimated that in the early stages of the company was the, um, and I think hardware asset managers that we we work with or they underestimate the importance of communication and, and internal marketing and yeah. and tool vendors out there, AMI being a tool vendor, want you to believe you can go buy a software product and install it and it's going to just magically, you know, um, fix a problem. But um, marketing and internal communication is, um, is, is huge. And I think, you know, the next piece is, is establishing regular audit management, you know, assuming that you won't get compliance and having a regular way to um, continually audit your physical environments and your remote users, assuming that they haven't properly received or updated databases, et cetera, having a way to manage audits in a, in a manageable way and, and ensure that environments are getting checked and on a regular basis and uh, to find and correct errors and, and record accuracy, et cetera, um, is something that has to be established, um, as well as just logging and, and, and metrics. And, and, you know, we can, um, we can kind of deep dive that as far as you want to go, but in terms of measuring um, the, the utilization of assets, kind of timing how assets are used, how long things sit in stock, how long it takes for vendors to turn around maintenance, et cetera. There's a whole wealth of value that comes out of um, capturing historical data about how the assets move through the environment that right, yeah. mm -hmm. um, we think is essential to, to really unlocking the value of hardware asset management over time. So, so this is something that we see elsewhere as well. There's this sort of growth in, in paying attention to, to that trending information, um, you know, that, that what the asset's doing um, you know, through its life cycle over time, where it is, um, is, is, is that what you're sort of pointing to in terms of sort of metrics and things? It, it is more a question of not having a point in time view. It's kind of where is it going? Because that then literally, I guess that then gets you to become a bit more strategic about your hardware and your, yes. your hardware and the policies and so on. Yes, yes. In terms of like where it's going, you have to look where it's been. Um, so, um, we look at hardware asset management on a maturity scale of just chaotic, no controlled or reactive, um, you know, spreadsheets and manual processes to proactive where um, kind of used to be the, the goal where um, uh, companies had efficient processes to have that point in time data. At any moment in time, do we have confidence that the hardware assets in our database is accurate? And that's a great goal. It's an essential goal to get to. We call that the proactive level of maturity. But beyond that is where you're looking at historical data to um, be able to see trends and to understand the impacts of changes. For example, if you can, once you have processes under control, you can establish tooling that will record the history of data and time assets as they move through different states. And as a yeah. practical example, um, order delivery time, like when, when you purchase an asset, how quickly is it delivered and on someone's desk? If you can record that duration of time and log it and then aggregate that over time, you could monitor a vendor's performance and show that, you know, our standard order delivery times 21 days, we're going to switch to a different vendor and see if that has moved any needles. If you yeah. see that that order delivery times reduced you now know that that change that you made to a vendor was valuable to the business. Yeah. You know, another, you know, there's lots of other different um, uh, scores like stock dwell time, maintenance turnaround time, disposal turnaround time, um, stock dwell time, uh, utilization. There's lots of different scores that you can put into place once you have your processes under control so that you can do kind of what I said, like, demonstrate that when you make a change to people process or tools is it improving things or not yeah yep. that's that's what we that's where we feel the hardware asset management is going 
uh, being able to prove the value of asset management or prove the impacts of changes so that you're not just guessing and yep. you can prove to leadership that, yeah, this, this vendor that we switched to or this new tool that we implemented, here's how it's improved things with data behind it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's, that's where we think that that's how asset management is evolved. Hardware asset management is evolving. Yeah. That's, that's, that's really exciting. I, I, I it's, that's the kind of management level information that, that you need. That's, you know, you, you're making perhaps a big change, right? For you no know, switching from one reseller to another. Um, you need to be, ha- you need to have reasons to go and do that, right? Because at the end of the day, you're going to get someone else supplying you the same hardware that you were, you were buying anyway. So having the data to say, well, look, there's a real, there's a problem with delivery times here, uh, or there's a problem with, you know, the wrong stuff being fulfilled, for example. I guess is it, it would be another one. Then, for a start, you can go and talk to that supplier early on and say, you know, you can, you can put an SLA around that, can't you? And say, well, we want to have our stock of here course. in fourteen days, um, and then you can get that contract performing. Um, because otherwise, if no one's paying attention to it, then they're not going to, as a supplier, they're not going to prioritize you, are they? They're not, they're not going to be paying attention to you if you're not paying attention to them. Um, they're not necessarily going to do anything extra for you. Uh, you know, Absolutely. To, yeah. yeah, this isn't just about replacing vendors, just holding vendors accountable to the services yeah. and the contracts they've agreed to, or even internal staff. Mm. Uh, that, you know, just measuring uh, order delivery, like, like uh, uh, install delivery time. We've got yeah. um, large enterprise ServiceNow customer that's tracking how long assets sit in a pending install state and trending that over time to know that their internal organization is fulfilling user requests, um, you know, uh, efficiently and, and so forth. And yeah. so it's, yeah, it's just uh, monitoring performance so that you, you hold vendors and internal people accountable, but really just understand when things are changing. You know, we, we saw stock dwell times increase dramatically you know, right as COVID was breaking out. That doesn't mean anybody was doing anything wrong. It was a perfectly great explanation for that. There's nobody <laughs> in the office, obviously nothing's <laughs> getting delivered, yep. you know, but just having that information available um, so that you can monitor what's going on um, enables all kinds of business value decisions. And, and, um, and, and like you said, in, in a way leaders can understand, like, yeah, you know, yeah leaders are pretty simple-minded you know they've got a lot of big things to think about they can't think about the details they're not expected to they need to know that a decision or a a project or an investment has made a measurable impact and if you can show them a a chart that shows that your asset utilization has gone from 75 to 80 percent and that's across 50,000 assets that cost on average a thousand bucks a piece you can demonstrate that you've reduced your stock levels by that amount. Like a simple-minded executive can see yeah, that and understand yeah. that ROI. And I'm joking, mm-hmm. sort of, you know, there's nothing wrong with executives, but you know, they're not, they, um, this has always been a challenge. We're always working with hardware asset managers that are in the nitty gritty yeah. details. And yeah, say, how do we demonstrate it. that to leadership? So there's practical ways to do that, to do that now. Um, once you get processes under control, though, you, know, you, you, you still have to have um, people and processes recording accurate data so that you can install that tooling. So you can't just yep. jump to this kind of strategic level. Um, but that's what ex- you asked me earlier, kind of what's changed in hardware asset manager. That's what's changed for me is um, history and metrics and analytics that let us um, really demonstrate kind of whether what we're doing as hardware asset managers is important or not. I did, you know, I honestly, I didn't really know when I started the company, I was just a software developer and uh, we were making tracking tools because people were buying tracking tools, but we didn't really know why it mattered. Uh, When I was a small child, I I didn't dream of being a hardware (laughs) asset manager for an enterprise. Um, But, you know, I like making software and seem like a need, but now I'm more excited because I can actually see the impact that it makes and, you know, and, and can prove that with data, you know, and I, I think that's where we all want to be yeah. as hardware asset managers. That's where we want to be. So that, you know, we know we're doing well with our career. We're helping the company and 
ultimately we'll get promoted because we probably all want to move up and improve our careers, et cetera. And I, I think this is how that's done. Yeah, I'm just going to sort of wrap up with a couple of things. Um, one other thing, I mean, we've spoken a lot about kind of the, the kind of the, the management level uh, benefits of this. Um, something that we're seeing uh, mentioned increasingly is people focusing on employee experience as well, or digital experience, or having this kind of internal approach to customer service, perhaps. Um, clearly, if you have efficient hardware asset management, you're going to be able to get the tools to your users more quickly, more efficiently. They, no, they, they're going to order something and they're going to get what they ordered, uh, right. and it's going to be provisioned and so on. Do you see? Do you see much um, in the market people talking about this yet? Around, on on your side of things, where they're they're interested in improving service to their employees? Absolutely, the um, availability goal. I mean, companies are concerned about hiring and retention in yep. this kind of world of Amazon level service delivery where, mm. um, you know, service now, they're all about the customer service portal, the customer experience and creating that shopping basket, Amazon like experience for um, ordering services from IT. And the, you know, the goal is not just service now, everybody wants to create that consumer grade experience. And, mm. you know, for, for a new onboarded, you know, a younger employee that's a digital native, you know, they want to be able to just whip out their smartphone, order a service, be able to track it, <clears throat> see like where in the workflow that when that thing's arriving so they can be at home, you know, waiting for the Amazon delivery and, yeah, yeah, you know, trying to create that kind of consumer grade experience for um, employee um, for, for onboarding and for retention um, is, is extremely important. And, Maintaining accurate availability, um, accurate inventory is an essential component to getting people the right things and getting it to them quickly and reporting status all along the way. You can't do that without um, a solid hardware asset management solution that that's keeping track of <laughs> yeah. keeping track of the inventory correctly. Mm -hmm going to put you on the spot a little bit on this one uh, particularly, uh -oh. as, particularly as you're a, a, a tools creator um you mentioned a lot about sort of insights and data and metrics and so on um is perhaps the next big thing here having a some degree of automation machine learning ai around this to you know i'm thinking of very large asset estates is is there a, you know it's, it's such a buzzword at the moment and you see everyone going hey yeah. it's got ai in it um no, do you see that being uh, being a factor here? Could you? Yeah, I think you know the kind of first step is to be recording the historical data, the historical trends, and and kind of plotting that historically is <clears throat> excuse me is somewhat easy. Yeah, the hard part is predict is predictive, where you can use that historical data to uh, predict what your inventory levels or utilization levels need to be or, or, or will be in the future. So we definitely see aggregating anonymous historical data from multiple customers or multiple hardware asset management into centralized data um, and correlating that to supply chain um, kind of industry uh, manufacturing and, and supply chain events uh, to try to provide that predictive analysis. I think we're a bit away from that. You know, it's a bit, it's a buzzword um, at this point, but yeah. that's the next step beyond just looking at historical trends to demonstrate the impact of historical changes, but really predicting in the future what your stock levels need to be now because of the expected future demand. And um, yeah, we see that the development of you know, I'll be honest, I don't know the difference between AI and machine learning, you know, it's, uh, it's, you know, they're all kind of correlated. We don't know yeah. what data sources are going to be used to train that system to make those predictions yet. That is the evolution of this, of this trajectory, trajectory we are on of using historical data to predict the future. And, you know, I'm excited to see what, what happens. I don't know if I'll invent it or someone will, somebody's going to, or some organization will. Um, and that'll be the, yeah, that'll be the next step beyond strategic into, yeah. 
I don't know what you call that. You know, predictive. Predictive. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Predictive. So. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, so we talked quite a lot about, um, you know, where, where we get to in, in terms of, no, we, we implement the right processes. We have a tool in place. We, we, we've got our people onboarded. Um, if you're just starting out with this and maybe you haven't really got your business case sorted yet and you, you probably haven't even got a tool yet, how should an organization get started tracking their assets? What's the first thing that they should really start thinking about doing? Where should they perhaps kind of grab hold of the process initially? Identify or just define the problem you're trying to solve. Like, don't try to solve them all. Define one problem that you're trying to solve, which could be, you know, financial invoice reconciliation or stock dwell time tracking, you know, utilization tracking, um, uh, maintenance delivery compliance or, or disposal compliance. Uh, point is like, draw a picture of the chart that of the dashboard that you want to present to your executive that's demonstrated that you've improved something. Pick one of those things and build a solution around that. It's really just understanding what value you're trying to create um, first and working back uh, from that. And, yeah. you know, like uh, to me, you know, I just stock dwell time is a, just an example. It doesn't have to be the one, but, you know, just understanding how long assets are dwelling in stock, being able to track that accurately and measure that over time is something that you can translate into demonstrable business value. So I think really just focus on the problem you're trying to solve mock up the dashboard that you would love to create and present to an executive that demonstrates you're making, you know, something mm -hmm. better at your company and work back from that. Don't try to kind of boil the ocean and, and um, yeah. just track assets, make sure you have all everything all accurate, work back from the report you're trying to generate first. And I mean, it doesn't have to be one, um, but keep it to two or three and build those first and then increment. Great, okay. I'm gonna ask one more question, which, which, which just popped into my head when you were talking about stock dwell time and you know, holding stock in general. Um, are you having conversations or, or are people bringing this up with you yet around um, trying to minimize stock or get rid of stock when you, you know you're no longer gonna use it from a sustainability perspective to, to, to try and yeah. you know, maximize the life of that asset and that value of that asset, rather than having it sat on the shelf for six months, you know, getting rid of it at the right time, I suppose, selling it into the secondary market. And well, um, there's kind of two things in there. Um, one is getting rid of stuff earlier while it's worth more on the secondary market. Um, MSPs that we work with, disposal partners that that do the disposal, that's one of their big value propositions is that um, they can provide kind of like not that, that sort of that predictive thing, but like by, by the MSP or the ITAD vendor, understanding your inventory mm. and understanding the value of certain models on the market can make recommendations of what to unload, like um, get rid of this stuff earlier, even though it's still under warranty, if you get rid of these certain Dell models now, you can recoup more value. So that's, that's you know, a financial incentive. Um, but the um, kind of an, another thing, another uh, large global apparel manufacturer that we work with is concerned about sustainability. And what they're tracking is not the recovered value of the asset, but the heavy metals and the... Um, the toxic materials yep. within those assets and ensuring that those assets are being disposed by environmentally responsible businesses, tracking that at a data level so they can quantify and show to their younger employees in particular, what percentage of the assets that they've purchased and disposed of have been reclaimed and disposed yep. of in an environmentally friendly way. And they're, they're dashboarding that. Yeah, they're they're scoring themselves at I, I I forget what their current number is, but you know ninety two percent of our IT assets that are disposed have been distributed to these organizations that reclaim those metals and recycle those components 
you know, and uh, I hadn't thought of that as that was more of a, um, you know, socially and environmentally responsible um, dashboard and a way to score themselves based on, you know, sustainability. And that's important marketing to, you know, especially younger generation that's worried about the future, as opposed to how much money can we save? You know, yeah, we're starting to see that that come up, and and I I've been thinking about it. I think one of the thing, the great things about managing hardware, um, is that it you've got so much of it, and it and it changes. So, you know, you've got turnover, so you've got these. You, know, you can move the dial regularly, right? You, you you can show progress against against that recycling target or whatever, um, much more so than you could do, than you can do with some of the big ticket items that you would do. At an organization like switching your power supply from coal to renewables you know that's something right. it's a big macro thing that maybe you'll do once um but with hardware and with and user computing in particular there's this constant opportunity to make a difference right. um mm-hmm. and yeah absolutely it yes there's an element of marketing there but equally as you say uh it's about employer retention as well it's it's you know increasingly employees feel that they should be doing something about this and they should be working for a company that takes it seriously. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of, you know, turns it into like a profit motive. You know, we're just, we're just doing this because younger generation thinks that Mm. we need to, we want to demonstrate them so that we retain them. We make more money. I mean, there's the greed aspect to it maybe, you know, but um, at the same time, it's a, it's the right thing to do. And fundamentally, uh, it's the right thing to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it and it translates into business profits. So doing the right thing <laughs> yeah. leads to retention, you know, leads to retaining good talent, which will ultimately lead to profit, which is cool because the profit motive and the environment might actually be in alignment. Yeah. yeah. Interesting stuff. Thank you. Well, thank you very much, Tom. Uh it's been uh an interesting conversation. We've kind of covered a lot of ground around uh, you know, starting off with with hard asset management, how it's changed over the years, and some of these new future areas of of, of interest, particularly around managing hybrid, and and perhaps where we're going with um, with sustainability as well. So, thank you very much for your time. Um, I hope everyone who's listened has enjoyed it, and um, look out for a lot more content uh, from the ITAM review around this subject uh, over the coming months and years. It's uh, it's a key focus of mine uh, uh, for the future. Thank you. Thank you very much, AJ.